Hi, talkers. It's a little after 4 o'clock on this Thursday afternoon, and we are hanging out with Lori and Julia. A lot to get over through this show. What do we have in store for us now? Well, we have a notable life we have ah, to acknowledge nice. because, I mean, I just couldn't even believe that I didn't know the story because I know the story that goes around this town as it related to Sun Country Airlines when it got its start. And yes. I am talking oh, about no. Laughlin, Nevada. And the man who built a casino mecca and took the city inspector's name down the road, uh, his idea, you should name this town that you've started, Laughlin, he did, and he's Don Laughlin, Donald J. Laughlin, born in Owatonna, Minnesota. No one has ever done what Don Laughlin did. So listen to this. He okay, was, that is so wild. Isn't it? He was ni- 92 years old. Um, his funeral is going to be in a week. He's asked for no flowers and just donations to the Laughlin Food Bank. But he transformed this stretch of desert. It's Laughlin's about 100 miles south of Vegas into yep. a sprawling casino boomtown. And the death uh, was confirmed by his grandson, who now runs a resort complex that, that Donald Don Laughlin built. The spot on the Colorado River in southern Nevada that would become a gambling-known oasis was nothing but a dirt road and a boarded-up eight room motel when he saw it in 1964 today the town has eight casino resorts two million visitors a year a population of nine thousand, and across the river in bullhead city arizona we got a lot of minnesotans who winter in these two places a jet airport that he paid for half of it that could take boeing 737s So, and the bridge that carries visitors to and from there, he paid for it. And he carved it out. Uh, and he had this epiphany. He was working in Vegas and with his young wife. He moved there in 53, and it was the only place where slot machines were legal. And he had started a slot machine business in high school and gotten all kinds of trouble. And the principal told him, Hey, it's slot machines or high school. And he said, I'm going with the slot machines. He was making so much money. <laughs> I'm going with the cherries. So he was working in Vegas and he worked as a bartender and at night went to school for card and dice dealers. And in 1954, he'd say in just one year, he saved enough money to buy this restaurant in North Las Vegas called the one one got a gambling license, License posted, families are welcome, and steak and eggs was on the signboard and started what was, it was this blackjack area that was away from the strip and everything. Sure, And, but he was restless, then he taught himself how to fly or took flying lessons, and while he was flying, he's like, there should be another alternative to Las Vegas, and he found it at the extreme southern tip of Nevada, mountains, desert, and river. The state meets Arizona and California. A bankrupt bar in the motel on an unpaved road on the Colorado ticket. He was like, or the Colorado River. He's like, this is it. What year, Lori? Like- 1954. So wow. he sold his restaurant, put down 35000 for the motel and on six acres on the river, and paid to about 235000 And his idea was he recognized that. Not everybody who wanted to gamble wanted to pay for a hotel room in Las Vegas. 
And he felt that RV customers would spend as much money as people would stay in your room. So why not build a place that's friendly for RVs? I know people have been there for the big RV roundups. Yes. And I mean, he was like dropped out of high school. He became a billionaire. And by 1988, Laughlin was the nation's fourth largest gambling destination. And that, that destination was the thing that gave the sun the brand of pilots and flight attendants that decided to start Sun Country. They were like, there's a million charter flights to Las Vegas. Hey, there's this other town, Laughlin, that will appeal to people who maybe don't want to pay Vegas right, prices. Right. And then they started successfully flying charters. And back then, Grant, they were flying DC tens. So even though, you know, wouldn't but you could because it's a DC ten. I mean, they transport people, pilots and stuff would bring their motorcycles in the belly of the plane. Oh, that's cool because the best riding is over in, is the in yeah, that yeah. quadrant. Yeah. Wow. And he, yeah, he was just as a teenager. He trapped mink to get money in Owatonna in the winter, and then he bought mail order slot machines that he installed in local pubs. <laughs> just. And Otana, and they were like, no, you can't do this. No, but it wasn't laughing. against the law. But he was making all this money. And anyway, he, in 1966, he opened the motel as the Riverside Resort. His, he came up with all you can eat chicken dinners. Perfect. For 98 cents, 12 slot machines, two gambling machines. He and his family lived in four of the eight rooms. Wow. And the postal inspector said, I can't just keep bringing you mail without a town name. And he said, you should name it after yourself. And Don's like, okay. And that's how Laughlin became Laughlin. And so the three states, an endless flow of motorcycles and RVs because of the scenery where it's located, um, kept... Uh, so he just kept expanding. I mean, he didn't go with the flow. He just decided, you know, by 1988, when a reporter for the New York Times visited him, it was worth $200 million. The city. Yeah. His motor, the his, Riverside Motel. Yeah, the resort. And he had just paid $5 million for the bridge to go across the river so people could walk. Okay, I'm having, this is just so unbelievable because Laughlin you used to hear about it all the time because Sun Country would fly there all the time. And there would be other charters. Yes. And Sun Country probably might do private charters mm-hmm. or whatever, but they do a lot of business because sometimes Sun Country has flown into, well, when Bullhead, when he, mm-hmm. when Laughlin redid the airport, so 737s, because eventually, you know, all, no one flies DC 10s right. anymore. You know, it's not a aircraft, 737s are the plane. Yeah. But he, was always on the floor. He was not like a Steve Wynn or the other guy, Adelson. He was a humble guy, even though he's a But he was always on the floor talking to customers well into his 80s. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, his wife died last year, and he's got, uh, you know, a grandson, and then he's got three children and a bunch of grandkids. But he was always on the casino floor, and you didn't see stories about him in the paper. He was just kind of a humble guy but he started the whole shebang and it was all because he was like rv people are people too well and it's so interesting it. right now because right now and i noticed this and i think you have too vegas has just priced itself out it's a rich people destination it kind of has become because that it's gonna it's gonna 
that's going to come back to bite him. But the domestic air for alone, it used to be like a two hundred dollar flight. You paid five fifty or something, didn't you? Or you were going to, and I paid like four hundred. No, my last trip that I had to cancel, I got two hundred fifty dollars oh, fare. I was so bummed. It all just depends, you know. Like Vegas, you got to be strategic when you buy that ticket. But it's so expensive right now that it's kind of like I. You have to think twice about it. it used to be. You can go there for the weekend and hang out and have fun. Till you get Changed. over your used to be. That's just not how it is anymore. But Vegas, you you can be because there is still a lot of lift there. Yeah. But Laughlin, is I just saw Don Laughlin from Owatonna. Grew up on this farm, and love he it. just I I didn't I guess I didn't know that no, about Laughlin. I, I love that. Yeah. So he was yeah kind of a cool guy. He was making in high school. 500 a week on his mail order slot machines, which would be $7,000 a week to us. And when the principal told him it's the slot machines are high school and he's Don said, see you later, married his sweetheart and they moved to Vegas. I mean, it's just it should be a movie. It totally should be a movie. It could okay. be a movie, but I he was not a flashy that. guy. Yeah. Okay, so um, we just got a note from Anita. I said, thank you for the tribute to Don Laughlin. He's hugely under-acknowledged, even now with his death. Mm. So Anita must know him. So he, He's kind of an unbelievable guy. An unbelievable- I got kicked out of my New York Times obituary on him, but he was humble and very giving, but he... He he! Everything he wanted to do, he was told this isn't going to work. Right, and he just did it. He followed his instinct. So, oh, I love I. Just, I always love a story about a farm boy. Well, and yeah, the Laughlin is like something that we've just and people heard about. might have forgotten about. And you can find a, it's absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous area because of how the three states yep. mean. So if you are on a, it's probably more picturesque than the Four Corners. You know the where right yeah. over a little bit, or, or but the anything same. along the Colorado, where it's so gorgeous down there, right? It's just beautiful land. Oh gosh, yeah. Thank and you. I think the reason why the there's not flights into Laughlin, because I just looked it up, not profitable because you can't run them enough, and also because it is a place that people do like driving to. And so I think there are charters that happen where, like, maybe a group of people will charter a yep. Sun Country plane and they'll go down to. Laughlin, but it isn't enough to be consistent. I remember that when I was at Sun Country. Mm-hmm. It just you could make more money on Vegas. Right. Oh you know. Lord. Well that was a good that was a good obit. Notable oh, we haven't had a notable life to, a good one. to celebrate in just a while as far as a non celebrity type. So. And Sun Country, if you want to go like on the weekend of December fourth. That weekend, you can get out of here for two oh nine. I mean, See, it, yeah, it is priced. But when it, I was looking, it was just like Ugh. you gotta. If you can travel it within four weeks, that is your sweet spot for getting a ticket. If you book it too far out, that you get punished for wanting to lock in your dates. This is what convention people have to do. The the traveler traveler, you know, maybe you're not so. You get bound in. You you should be. They'll more charge you if you're booking eight weeks out. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna pay more. For yeah. having that privilege of knowing you're going. Yeah. And getting babysitters and everything else you need to get lined up. All right, so, thanks yeah. for that. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to find out about something so amazing that I can't even tell you yet. It's going to be a chef surprise. Hey, everybody. Lori and Julia here for El Burrito Mercado, where they are celebrating Dio de los Muertos. We're honoring the Day of the Dead today, yesterday and today. 
and they are having a lunch and dinner special. So they're having like special tacos, platter, and soda for $10, or you get the same platter with a margarita for $15. And they're going to be doing a mariachi procession around the block. And it really is. I have a couple of nieces who are always celebrating and remembering people. And El Burrito Mercado, they've got a great deli. They've got a great bar and restaurant. And maybe you're having football fans over and you want to have something nice and easy like Kyle last night on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, who doesn't love a uh, Mexican bu- buffet? In Everyone loves it. Everyone, Everyone loves, loves it. it. It's a winner. And they're doing, they have a family tradition that they're doing um, tamalada where you oh, can yeah. go and it, at three quarters, it's all on their website, El Burrito Mercado. You know, I saw this story the other day. Did you ever notice that? You know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if... And now... Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. All right. So in the fabulous year of 2012, I believe it was, um, this amazing song came out. Lori was more obsessed than anyone else I know. And Grant, can you play us? Yeah, Grant's going to play us a little bit of the song. Lori taught us all how to do this. Lori, you were Cy, the singer of Gangnam Style for Halloween. For Halloween that year? Yes. I mean, it was so good. That's awesome. I had his glasses, everything. I had (laughs) a short black hair. And here's like a really weird, this is just, this. so this showed up today on the machine. Gangnam Style became the first YouTube video to get 1 billion views. It happened That's December right. 21st, 2012, which was also the day the apocalypse was supposed to happen. So they just added in there for random. But I went back to this one-hit wonder who really, by the time he did Gangnam Style, Psy, who's South Korean, this was his sixth album. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about, you you know, your BTSs and your Blackpink and a lot of these... The K-pop groups. The K-pop groups out of South Korea. When... um. They have a um, a deal, kind of how they split the money um, with the South Korean agencies, their entertainment groups, because they really, they have kind of like a farming system for singers and dancers in South Korea, like other people might have for baseball. Yeah. And they have uh, a 7-3 profit sharing model. And at during the height of Gangnam 2012, Psy took home $28 million as his part of the profits of that song. He had every, you know, he, his, they call him a one hit wonder, but of course it was his sixth album, but then he kept trying to recreate and recreate and I mean, recreate and get back to it. I'd be a one hit wonder if I got $28 million, I'd be, yeah, I'll sign up for that program. <laughs> yes. I think so. I think Jeez. now it's already had like 4.8 billion views now, but the whole thing is, is that Psy on an annual basis on YouTube alone from the YouTube ads? Because on YouTube, songs? you need to like have a thousand followers and then you can start getting ad revenue okay. when you do things on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so Psy accumulated just under two million from YouTube ads alone in the year 2014. So just think of how much he's making year after year on those <laughs> things. He's worth 60 million. <laughs> but they said. It was kind of more of a story about one-hit wonders and it. how Ice Ice Baby, you know, Vanilla Ice, besides that one-hit wonder, all the things that he was able to do as a result of being a one-hit wonder, they thought Rihanna was going to be a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. They all make gobs of money yeah. off their one-hit wonders. I, yeah, yeah I, I, I guess I did know that. 
And I think Donnie told us that a long time ago. Don't ever feel too bad, bad for one hit wonder. One hit wonder if it gets played a lot and it gets used to set. Um, I think what he said was like sometimes these one hit wonder songs define a year of music or a time and place. Yep. Because they're so associated and just, and that's the only thing. And you would walk around here. I mean, what did we remember? Padam, 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 padam. That was the summer. That was the summer (laughs) song, Kylie Minogue, that was played Mm -hmm. in the Double Wife. Mm -hmm. But that year, Gangnam, I think that lasted three or four seasons. It was on forever, including a a family. I don't think we played it a lot, though, or listened to it. We probably did. No, no. I more was trying to get the dance down perfectly. And when he was on Ellen. I DVR'd it and saved it so I could practice because you did the breakdown. Love it. Of it. And somewhere there's video of me leading that dance at a wedding with my Spanx showing. Which were not a bad, you know, we all wore them. Yeah, I know. We all wore the Spanx. It wasn't that big of a deal. We all did it. All right, so people are wondering, um, why did everyone eat the good candy? If you're like us, someone brought in some leftover Halloween candy in a bag and all that's left is always three musketeer bars. Yeah, that's all they like. No one likes the nougat because the nougat. they don't even give you caramel with it. It's nothing. The three it's musket- a nothing. It's a waste of it's calories. It's a waste of and a candy And that is bar. a candy that should be chewed for the chocolate or I'd and peel- spit out. It's not even worth swallowing. The, the nugget part. I would peel <laughs> off the outside. That didn't sound right. <laughs> so, but you all. would. So there's a little thing out today about how long do you think, how long unwrapped candy will last if you're thinking of your kid's Halloween Well, last night a friend brought a bag of candy. I got the dots. My other friend took the, um, not the thin mints, but, you know, the little black and white, you know, the mints in the box. They're thin mints. No, they're, they're... But they're called junior right mints. They're called junior mints. Junior, junior mints. mints. She those got those. So good. I love it. Those are so yeah, good. Someone else got the M and M's, and all that was left were Charleston chews. Oh, nobody wanted. Them. Oh, I like a Charleston chew, but a frozen one. Oh, okay. So yes. Jeff has caught on to my freezing things. Oh, like, it's terrible. Okay, so he. It's I, terrible. Casey does the same thing. I go. So you're going to make sure I can't ever eat anything good. <laughs> because you freeze it all. You and your family and your freezing. My grandma freeze. did the same thing. We freeze it like... Every candy. Ho-ho. She'd freeze ho-hos. Now that seems a little odd. Uh, but, you know, a good old like- wedding cake frozen is very good. <laughs> slice by slice. Um, anyway, Jeff had some um, ginger snaps. And I never even saw them. Because I hide... Candy from him in the fridge. Are they the ginger snaps from Costco? Costco, the really. In the green box. Just the good ones. Yeah. But no, he bought box? the original bag that looks like a paper bag. Oh. The good. There's even better ones. I, my mom, I Tates, know. The Tate's ginger snaps. I love a ginger snap, but frozen. Don't buy them. Delish. Because they're too good. No, I know. I was so glad I didn't know where they were. Right. And then he had a couple while we were watching the movie. I'm like, what are you eating? Yeah. A they- cookie does not last in our house. Yeah, but he hit him well. But he didn't try hit to him for you because co- he didn't want him frozen. He froze him. He oh. freezes all cookies now. Oh, <laughs> what you just said there, Julia? What? what are you eating? Is one of the most common things said in my household. <laughs> yeah. really? Every time I go get anything, Lily, like, what are you, what eating? Are you eating? She, what, what do you want? Some? Yeah. <laughs> where did you hide that? Or yeah. are you sure you need yeah, that? Where did you yeah. get it's that? such a judgment thing, but it's like a curious thing. It could go either way. She just wants to eat it too. That's what it always is. I know. Like, where'd you get that? I can't what believe it. He said, I thought they'd be gone because he was gone hunting for a week. Right. And I'm like, well, I didn't know they were there. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Um, chocolate candy, though, if unopened, you can have it for up to a year. Yeah. Ch- dark chocolate, you get two years out of that. Um, 
And, and if it's a dark chocolate and an MRE, it can last theoretically forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is meal ready to eat. Uh, the yeah. Okay, the we've learned wow. the soaps today. Mm. Sop. Sop. Standard operating procedure. And what is the MEA or what did you just say? <laughs> MOP? What did you just MRE, say? MRE, meal ready to eat. Oh, God. We are reverting back to our childhood and we're on a military base. Right. Oh, yeah. In the Philippines right now. But we're going to come back. Grant you for Hoff and Weber Construction, your hometown licensed experts. That's the key. They are your licensed experts when it comes to anything important for your home exterior needs. I'm talking siding, windows, roofing, doors, gutters, and even solar. And the big thing here is that the sales team over at Hoff and Weber Construction, they know that this is a big decision and it can be a very expensive one. So they're not going to pressure you into a high pressure sale. They're going to make sure that they walk you through the process. In fact, they even have a really amazing showroom right in New Brighton off of 35W that's kid and dog friendly. You can bring the family out to see what these home exterior changes would look like. That makes it so much easier. And when you start your process, they're gonna if it's an insurance claim, they're gonna basically take care of all the headaches that come with insurance companies because no one wants to deal with that. So all you have to do is reach out to the sales team at Hoff and Weber Construction and set up your free in-home consultation. They'll come out there, take care of you, and you will not regret it. And you can do so by going to hwconstruction.com. Again, that's hwconstruction.com for more information. Okay. Yes. I know what you're going to ask me for. I know what you're going to ask me. I'm going to ask you about Alex oh. Baldwin okay. in a conversation with Kelly Ripa. He, she asked him about, would you ever do a reality show with all those kids? He's got seven. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote. Told Kelly, he has thought about it a lot. He needs money. Uh, <laughs> what a ho- He added, not only have there been shows that they have considered and pitches they've heard, but they've even made one or two pitches. He said the reality show has all been so we can stay home yeah. and just work from home. Yep. I'm desperate to try to work from New York. You know what, Alec? Nobody wants to see the chaos of... Seven kids. I get anxiety thinking okay, about it. So, but there's. Are but, they trying to be the Kate and Nate? Well, that's. I couldn't think of John and. It was John and Kate. Kate Plus Nate or whatever. Um, I don't know. Because I'm thinking. Oh, um, I mean, there'll be a lot there because will she be speaking Spanish? Will, will she, she be, be teaching yoga? Yeah. Will she be teaching, you know, talking with her uh, fake How Spanish do you accent? Say cucumber pickle. Right. <laughs> and he. He even told Kelly that the kids just run amok in their house. And she said, well, that'll be great reality TV. And he said, um, he said, the kids have taken over every aspect of our lives. And I thought, well, what did you think was going to happen with seven children in like eight years? Yeah. 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 I don't know. And I think two of them were born in the same year. Cause I, think I have one. anxiety just you thinking would. about this show. You would. Would you watch this show? Um, I would watch. I think Alec Baldwin is charming and funny. I know he's got this. It's stuff a reality going. show, Julia. So the cameras are there and he's not acting. But you can edit. He's, he, he's, you can, he would be would watch it. a trainer. I see. But see, Grant. That's why I would watch it. Yeah. Grant would watch it. And I would watch it because. I even though all this stuff is going on with Rust and all this other stuff is going, I think Alec Baldwin is clever and funny. Well, I think Alec Baldwin needs money. Well, that's what I started that's out. That it, was my first. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a good are, that's what I correct. said. Yeah, he I think Alec. Team, and again, with that many kids, you do not. Sh- she needs help. 
even though you can hire nannies, your kids need, bo- there's too many kids. He there's needs to be kids. home. Yeah. He can't go fly to New Mexico and shoot so a film. expect you know a I mean? reality show. Well, we'll see. We'll see. TBD. TBD. But you know, he would also have a, you know, people would, like, they'd, there'd be meetings about meetings about him. Like the meetings they should have had about Ramona Singer. They should have. You know. With, I, with Ramona present, so they could have, she just blew up. And she's ruined a whole whole part of something Bravo invested in this trip. The Roni legacy yeah. trip. So she, it's all blown up and there's no way they can air No, that. and today she lost her real estate job at some fancy high-end. And she was really excited about this job. Because there's no more housewife money yeah. coming in. You know, I feel she, she was on that show for a long time. She self-imploded out of stupidity. Yeah, she did. And ignorance. Yeah. And privilege. And being, yeah, and, and then just being yep. just a, your good old basic racist. Yes. I have one for you. But okay. before we move on, um, thank you, Brooke, for letting us know this. And I want, I want to do this more, is we want to do it more, is hearing from you guys what you love to read. Because sometimes our books are brand new, and maybe people want to get them from the library or something like that. But she just says... I will reiterate um, what the author just said. We had Karma Brown, her new book, What Women, What Wild, Wild Women, Women Do. Do. She said, you guys need to read The Push. I've never even heard of this author before. Yeah, the, that you cannot use that as an excuse. The uh, I've never heard it before. But have you heard of The, book, the Push? There are too I many good books. That is the problem. But I love recommendations. If anyone has heard of it, you would have heard of it because you're, you are booking know. the books. But I don't read it, all the literacy things, and the, there's so many Facebook groups. But anyway, thank you for recommending yeah. that. The yeah. push. I I I never. Now, does have, that that's name why give you anxiety because it might be about childbirth? No, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. But just the Alec Baldwin one, I was just like, oh. God. <gasps> anyway, T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach, Robach, you know, they went Instagram official, which is the height of online intimacy these days. It is. It is, and Ta-da! and they. Posted a photo. He's looking one way. She's looking the other. And it says, how's this for Instagram officials? Hashtag silent no more. Well, you know what? Hashtag silent no more is a domestic violence hashtag. Oh. I'm telling you, these guys. You don't ever check out it. Let's just go back. Because yesterday you brought us this headline that they're going to be doing a podcast. podcast. That nothing is off limits. And it's going to be pop culture and political and everything in between. And nothing is happening. And hashtag silent no, no more. more. Which means, oh, the first episode you're going to talk about All how badly you guys felt about getting outed for your affair. When you're award-winning journalist. And that you've had to keep it low-key even though you get paparazzi still making out, running for marathon. You guys have been an Instagram official. It's just been... Through the eyes of, you know, celebrity magazines and stuff. I don't know what they have to cry Argentina about to everybody. They need money. Huh? They need money. Well, I know, but how much money can you get for a weekly podcast on iHeartRadio once a week called Amy and TJ when there are so many shows (laughs) that are out there with established what they're going to talk about. Right. What is their identity? Affairs. I see that's not enough. But maybe people will listen for a week. And that's what we both we'll said. We'll listen, listen for the first for one. the first one. And then we'll move on. And then we'll move on. I've got a good one for okay. you. Okay, now this doesn't pertain to maybe you. But if anyone else wants to weigh in, feel free. 
um, shoot us an email or something. But we know the Barbara Streisand memoir is coming out soon. Okay? Next week. Mm-hmm. A week. A yeah, week. next week. I think it's next, no, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, and I bought it already. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to do this on Audible. Yes. Which, after reading the excerpt you gave me about Barbara Streisand's book and the level of detail she got into about the, the way, way we, we were, were movie, I am a little nervous. <laughs> about okay? the 988 page About book? the level of detail, because I, I, I spent a half an hour reading it and I still wasn't done. And I was just like, wow, if this is just this, because we know how big the book is. Well, guess how many hours she is going to read this to you for. Okay. And she is reading she it. She is reading it. She did make that official. Julia told us that right away. Of course she's reading she, it. She's like, there's no doubt Barbara's the, reading that. The book, book is <laughs> 992 pages long. Oh. Oh, so how we don't hours? know if she's doing it. No, we do. I got that. Okay, I, I figured. Okay, I figured. Of course, she's doing it. I always Barbara Streisand is a living legend, a woman who, in a career spanning six dec- decades, has excelled in every area of entertainment. And this engrossing and delightful audiobook will be welcomed by her millions of fans. She is narrating it. Okay, so I'm just this gonna, is official. Okay, so this book is nine hundred. And 92 pages, and I'm just going to give you an example of a book, <gasps> a book, The Covenant of Water. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to turn my volume down. Okay. How many hours it was. <laughs> okay. Um, when the whole thing started. Uh, 32. Something like that. Mm-hmm. The average reader will read 900 pages in 25 hours. Yeah, it's okay. going to be 48 hours for her to read it to you, because reading is, uh, listening is slower than reading. Yes. 40. Eight hours and 15 <laughs> minutes. I feel like I've overcommitted. Hey, everybody. It's time for the Lori and Julia Book Club. We are delighted. We have best-selling author Karma Brown with us. Her latest book, What Wild Women Do, is absolutely a knockout of a story. And uh, welcome, Karma. Hi, Karma. Hi. Thank you for having me. You're, absolutely. Yeah, you're so welcome. So, what wild women do? Uh, I, I'm going to let you give the setup of of your very intoxicating mystery that I just <laughs> loved. I'm so glad. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, what wild women do is a story that's really about self discovery, and it's about two women. One in 1975, Eddie Calloway, who is a socialite turned feminist, who retreats from her life to this great camp that her family used to own in the Adirondacks. And while there, what she does is run these wild women retreats for women to come and to just experience nature and adventure in their wild ways. And then we have Rowan in 2021, who's this screenwriter who, along with her fiancé, Seth, goes to the Adirondacks to get away from, you know, the pressures of their life and to really settle into their, their individual creative projects and get them finished. And so what happens is that this great camp really centers these two women's stories together. And we're flipping back and forth between 75 and present day. But this great camp and a hidden treasure and this decade-old mystery about Eddie Calloway going missing in 75 and never being found again connects these women across the years and really leads Rowan to a bit of a metamorphosis in her own life. Oh, it it's, is, it's, it's so good. And I have to say, you know... 
Karma, like this reminded me of like Taylor Jenkins Reid wrote this book because you're, and that's not, you know, she's just a writer that I admire who can tell these oh, moments. Yes. What a wonderful compliment that is. Thank you so much. Yes. And I, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can see this. I got to believe that someone has already optioned um, this story because it is so interesting because we start with Rowan and her boyfriend and the pandemics happen. They got to move back to her parents. The gig, yep. All the gig stuff is, is up and he's all into his YouTube. And yeah. I, I, I'm like, I'm like thinking, Oh boy, this is going to be the most challenging thing <laughs> yeah. that these two have in their romantic life. And you just, boy, you just nail all of that storytelling. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really wanted to, you know, I I feel like Rowan's 30 and she's at this stage in her life where she sort of feels like she should have a lot figured out, but yet she doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a common place for all of us, no matter what our age. There's still parts of us that are like, wait, are we doing it right? Have we we done the things we want to do? And so I wanted to stick her in this isolated place where she's really forced to face that, but then have Eddie you know, through a variety of ways, like across the years, really mentor her in many ways through that experience. Oh, my gosh. And then I'm thinking, okay, the outdoor bowling alley. I'm just like at <laughs> it's this. Real. Yeah, it's because real. Eddie's, Eddie's grandfather or whatever, you know, she comes from all this money. And this used to be where they would summer for however six weeks with the servants and the Vanderbilt family was, well, this is another family, but I mean, I loved all of that. And I feel like there's gotta be all kinds of, you know, truths or maybe your own personal experience with how vividly you write about the Adirondacks. Well, I did as a child go to a place called Camp Sagamore in the Adirondacks, which is actually the Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's um, great camp. And it was, it was, turned over, it was sold, it was turned over to a conservatorship. And so there were caretakers looking after the camp and it became an educational facility more Mm -hmm. than anything, but you could go and stay. And so we stayed in Gloria Vanderbilt's cabin, which was, it's very rustic, but it also was, you know, fancy. It's sort of like glamping. Yes. Um, And and there was an open air bowling alley that my sister (sighs) and I played every day. So a lot of the pieces of the story are coming from my own 1970s childhood visiting the Adirondacks. Oh, that's so cool. And and you can really feel it. And then also, you know, I like the idea of, you know, so Rowan is right now, but I like the idea too. In 1975, I mean, women... Had, they just got radical. We They just were yeah. fed up with mm-hmm. everything and sick and tired of all the ways that, I mean, finally they could, uh, you know, do something. And I just loved how Eddie, you know, she sheds a husband and, and you know, goes and decides to have these camps and give other people courage. But know, knowing that she's going to go missing, there's so much tension reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that isn't a spoiler. No, that is that is a, a clear thing that happens even on the the back cover of the book. Yeah, but yeah, it is. You know, it is that that mystery about well, what happened to her, um, and and what happened to the camp after she disappeared, and to the people that were there, and so that is Rowan's mystery to unravel the best she can, but also to learn about herself as she does. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Karma Brown. This is—is is this your ninth novel, Karma? This is my 
a novel. I have written two co-written okay. books, but okay. this is my sixth novel, yeah. What Wild Women Do and um excellent yes. excellent excellent book oh, and you you. you you talk mm-hmm. about first of all is a child of the 70s with your name being karma mm-hmm. yes what are your siblings yes. names <laughs> my sister's name is jenna but her middle name is free free okay so, yeah jenna free so we did both get a bit of a hippie name right. yes you did, but you talk about, you know, these by writing these two characters, how much you kind of learned about yourself, which was kind of different than some of the other novels that you've written. Yeah, I did. I feel like both Rowan and Eddie live inside me, and they taught me a lot as I was writing each of their characters. I turned 50 while I was editing the book, which is Eddie's age, and so there is, in particular, a lot of her in me or, or what I'm striving to understand about myself, but of course, Rowan lives inside me too. So, right. you know, I carry those women with me. I think most, uh, many of us do. We have all these different parts of us. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you can shut your eyes and you can remember an age so vividly if it was something that it was a struggle year. Let's put it that way. Yeah, precisely. Um, um, Karma, I wanted to ask you about, um, um, God, and I just lost my damn train of thought and it was a good it one. Happens. Oh, it the, happens. The did you do research on like the kind of camps that women were doing and running because that was really there was just a burst of all this stuff you know retreats for retreats and asked and this did you do research on that kind of thing I did and my parents did some of that as well so I I was living through that while they were doing that but I mostly made that up i mostly just decided this is what eddie's wild women retreat okay like good. In her camp and this is her version mm-hmm. of this so mostly it was just fictionalized out of my brain i yeah. i love it mm-hmm. i you know i'm like ready to try the pesto you want to go you wanna uh, yes go i want to go yes, i we camp. first of all <laughs> I love camp more than anything in the world, and I think every I went to them a lot growing up, and I think they were the most mm. glorious experiences. And I think yes. everybody should be lucky enough to go. Yeah. However, Agreed. you get there, I sold nuts to get there one yeah. year, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it was really, yeah. it's really something that it's magical. Whole, it it really yeah. is. Yeah, but it, but Eddie's camp is it, all the women are right. grown up, right? You know, they're grown, grown up women. They're finding their way in this new thing because Eddie's life is completely different. It is. Yes, she's had a transformation and she wants to offer that. You know, she has resources to be able to do that. And that's how she wants to spend her life. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you kind of I'm reading something else about you, Karma, is that, you know, someone asked you, what do you hope readers will get out of your book? Um, yeah. Tell us about that. What did I What did I? Well, say? here's what you said. I hope readers, <laughs> regardless of age and stage of life, can see parts of themselves mm-hmm. in the two women. And we've just discussed that. Yes. Also, bravery, courage, and resiliency can show up in both bold and quiet ways. Yes. And that's really important to me because the title, you know, I think people think of wild as being loud and right. rash. Right. And there are so many quiet ways to be wild, to revolt, to make a shift. It doesn't have to be this great, big, giant shift in your life. And so I think it's important for us to recognize that, that sometimes the smallest decision is really wild and brave and courageous. That's really nice to hear because you kind of forget that, don't you? Yeah. You do. You do. It feels like it has to be big, especially in the age of social media. 
you know, where everything is just bigger than the last thing. Right. Right. And so it, it doesn't have to be a competition. It shouldn't be. And it doesn't have to be loud and brash. It can be small and quiet. Yeah. But but still, those things are now all setting up, you know, other societal, you know, expectations mm-hmm. yeah. that, that people make on themselves. So it is like, it's really like I can just feel I'm with Rowan 100% about, about everything, how she's feeling about her boyfriend or her yes. fiance. Yeah, same. I mean, I get so many <laughs> messages about how, People are like, I have issues with Seth. I do not care for him. No. I was like, well, that's purposeful. You're not supposed to like him. Yeah. You know, but but he has to be there. We always need a little bit of a villain in a story. So And also, Karma, I you know, for me, like this book, I really I remember to being thirty and not not happily married and knowing that mm-hmm. I did not wish to be married any longer and feeling good about my career, but feeling real wishy-washy about uh, having children and um, and then, you know, what am I doing about my marriage? So, but there's a lot of ways that women talk themselves into settling. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and that is what Rowan decides not to do. Yeah. And she really makes a choice that mm-hmm. changes her life. Um, and will change her life in the future. But she's she's brave. She yeah. steps out of the comfort zone, and, yeah. and he does something unexpected. So another big I'm hit proud for of you. Her, yeah. Another yeah. big hit. Thank and, you. And you know, mm-hmm. we do. We've read pretty much all of Taylor Jenkins' book, reads books, and we're going to read all of yours. I mean, you're a lovely writer, but it's just so fun. I just love this book so yes. much. Congratulations! And the cover oh, is so gorgeous. Much. What a wild it's beautiful. women do it so good. And Karma, I know that. Somebody Reese Witherspoon or I don't know who's going to option this, but somebody's going to maybe Taylor will introduce you to the Daisy Jones people. Maybe we'll just cross our fingers. Okay. And and we have to ask you, Karma, what's the last great book that you've read? One of I've read a, a few great ones, yeah. um, but one of the ones that I love the most is by Ashley Audrain, her latest, The Whispers, which came out in June or July, I believe. Okay. And she wrote The Push, in case you yep. have read that one. Yep. Anyway, The Whispers is a story, again, very focused on women, all in this very isolated, not isolated, they're in a suburban community, and a tragedy happens. And it starts to unravel all the stories that they have told each other and themselves about their lives. And it is just, it is so intense um, and so well done. So if you have not checked out Ashley Audrain, you really need to. She is a beautiful writer. Just spectacular. I don't think we've read anything from her before. Oh, you have to. Go and read The Push and The Whispers and you will understand what I'm saying. Wonderful. Well, we are delighted to meet you, Karma Brown. What Wild Women Do. Pick it up today. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye. We've got a couple Bye. copies of What Wild Women Do. Um, give us a buzz at 651-641-1071, and we'll be right back.